right, here we are with Exalted versus World of Darkness, City of the Bull God. We are in March 2022, so when you hear episode one, listeners, be prepared to go back a bit. They're, 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 this got stretched out a bit. Uh, we're doing the intro episode, so today uh, you have me, Devin, and with us we have... Brendan, uh, the storyteller who got roped into this. <laughs> Peter, uh, do we introduce our characters no, now? Your name. It's just your name. So it's just Peter. Anyone else? <laughs> Is anyone else here? No, but you already. You're not. <laughs> I said my name was Devin. Well, I don't care. Um... <laughs> Again. Anyone? The cantankerous one's holding high. Uh, and I'm Sam. Hello. I usually go last. And you still did. Excellent. Perfect. We did it, gang. We did it. First try. We changed the formula only slightly, and we did it flawlessly, and everyone just fell into line. Yeah. Everyone All right. Let's I don't give a shit. Day. I have a script in front of me. You go twice. That's how it goes. <laughs> All right, listeners. So we're doing an Exalted versus Wad game. Let's talk about that. So we'll break it down for you by the game we're playing, then the game we're running, like, you know, the mechanics, like the system, the actual game itself, the characters, and then we'll just talk and dick around for a bit. So Exalted versus World of Darkness. If you heard the name Holden and that voice and have any, I don't know if you know this somehow, what people sound like and are called, uh, Holden Shear is the creator of Exalted vs. Wad, and also the developer for Exalted 3rd Edition, like the entire 3rd Edition, uh, like the whole book, that big book, that's that guy. So, this Exalted vs. World of Darkness is not the first Exalted vs. World of Darkness, it's actually the, is this the second edition or the revised edition? What did you call it? Yes. Um, it, Damn I, it. I went with revised, simply, revised. I, I went, it, it's a second edition, I went with revised. Uh, simply because I didn't rewrite the entire book, I re I you know touched up and just reincluded a lot of the material from the original. So revised seemed more kind of accurate to what you were getting. Absolutely. So uh, to give you just a player's perspective, listeners, we're not going to talk a whole lot of Exalted versus Wad revised like in this part. Well, maybe it'll be at near the end of the episode, or maybe in an outro episode we eventually do. But a uh, brief overview, man, everything is better in it. Um, things have been cleaned up, rules have been added, new kind of widgets and features for the different exalt types, um, a lot of clarification, a lot of tools for people who want to play a modern exalted game are just there in the book now. And a lot of resources that like you would probably hate yourself having to look up if it came from the middle of the table. Like, take me. I absolutely fucking despise having to look up weapons. I wish books when they're like, oh, hey, go to this book for this weapon or this book for that weapon. Like, what in other games do that? I wish they didn't. This game actually has a weapon chart in the back. Like, it's a full weapon chart. It just has the weapons, the standard ones you're going to encounter in a game like this. So you can just have them there. Um, there's advice on how to deal with, like... Stuff like mass combat, there's advice on how to deal with militaries, there's advice on how to deal with the specific supernatural interactions between the exalts and the various uh, supernatural aspects of the game world. It, it's really interesting and it really is good for making up ideas and concepts of what to do with this game. Because this game is fairly unique. It's taking, I don't know, what, what are we up to now? 30, 40 years of World of Darkness, like the original World of Darkness books, and just being like, 
crack it open into a sandbox game. Here's a bunch of Gary's mod powers. Like I know that's a very dismissive <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, but it feels no, like that's accurate. Yeah. That's accurate. Like, like, look, it's very topical right now, listeners, because we're in 2022, and this is the best thing we have going for us right now. But Elden Ring came out. Well, <laughs> and we're doing what Elden versus Wad feels like is being able to take a game that's very, and this is the example I'll use because it's topical. Elden Ring has a lot of attention to detail to it, like. The, the monsters have a lot of personality and like plot plotting and design and intent put behind them. The locations are like that. Everything in the game feels like a, like a AAA team went through and put a lot of attention to detail with it. And that's kind of what you get with games like The Old World of Darkness or even like the first two editions of Exalted before the third edition came along. You know, these big legacy worlds and settings and concepts that you people have been dicking around in for decades. Exalted versus Wad is like being able to go back to those games and like absolutely have more control than you possibly have ever had before and more options and more choices available to you. Like people like to talk about exalted, like you're going to go in and smash the setting over your kneecaps and sure that's there, but there's also just, you have more interesting character ideas you can do. You have more interesting choices is what I'll repeat again, just from, you know, being an an abyssal. Being an Abyssal and Exalted versus Wad gives you an unprecedented amount of interaction with wraiths and specifically specters because they love you by default. And to tell your character's story from a perspective of having on your side a force that has otherwise almost universally been antagonistic to all characters that weren't specters. But as an Abyssal, just part of their kit is, yeah, specters like you and hang out with you. It's... It's something you wouldn't really see in any other type of, ex- of World of Darkness game. You're not going to play any World of Darkness game where specters treat you with any amount of respect or anything beyond, like, an animal waiting for you to turn its back on it. You know? So th- that's how I pitch Exalted versus Wild World of Darkness. You get, you get to do all the options, all the choices, all the weird things you always want to do in the World of Darkness in this ancient fucking setting. And it all feels new and fresh. All the mechanics and charms and the way they're implemented feel like someone who has been making games in the year 2020 designed them, as opposed to someone who hasn't gotten past like the 90s. Like it, it feels like if someone had taken Exalted and World of Darkness style stuff from that time period, but actually wrote them with like some amount of, of emphasis on you know, new ideas and streamlining and making things easier for the players and easier for the storytellers. It's, it's like getting a more polished version of that experience, um, which is exciting because it means that Exalted vs. World of Darkness isn't just a game for playing like Solars and Abyssals and whatever. It's also a game for going back and playing around with that setting if you even don't want to do the Exalted stuff because there's other options in the book that get a little weird and interesting for how you want to play your game. Uh, that would be my pitch. I mean, there's, there's, there's stuff in there like, you know, new cool exalt types and interesting powers and great ways to structure characters and stuff, but really it's the options. It's the, the potential. It's taking all those books you might've collected on your shelf in your teens and twenties and being like, you know what? I can look at these books again with a different set of eyes. Um, it's something our podcast specifically liked about Godbound. Uh, because we can't talk about Exalted without talking about Godbound. <laughs> Kevin Crawford, uh, took like the entire second edition library and said, now you can go back and speed run this stuff. Or now you can go back and make these guys like your servants and your minions. And you're the dude running the fucking beholder cult. Essentially with Godbound or with games like it, that he produces the way Sinomini does their games. It turns an existing library we've had for decacades. You know, you can open up the Ravenloft's AD and D books 
and now all that stuff is available to you and usable in different ways and like it revives it it gives it new life it's it's like nostalgia but you're actually doing something new and interesting and not just digging up the past it's an interesting way to let you play a game so that's my pitch for exalted versus what if anyone else wants to add more into that please feel free well i don't know much about it myself <laughs> you wrote the book bud <laughs> you, know, you know more about it than we do i feel like um, um i, I kind of want to go last if anybody else has no no that that's totally fair um so i've actually previously run the original edition of exalted first wad actually like not uh back in 2020 oh yeah we did uh, with too friends Listeners yeah. should know that if they've heard of heaven for everyone yeah yeah I, I actually ran mine, uh, I want to say, like, very, may, maybe a few months after I finished listening to that. But um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the original version, but it definitely had some, uh, uh, I don't want to say, like, mechanical issues, but just, like, I think that there was a bit of disconnect between me and, like, the book sometimes. And as that we learned, I also until very recently didn't know how to actually do combat in world of darkness. So uh, <laughs> only been running it for 15 years. It's totally fine. <laughs> that was a whoops moment. Uh, there are people who like wrote those books for over a decade who did not know how various pieces of the combat system worked. Um, like movement being always a, like a declared action as in it uses up your turn. Fuck. It turns out most of the people writing it just thought movement was reflexive and like, no, that's not actually how the books are written. Um, yeah. Uh, Eddie Webb, who was like the big the, kind of the, the lead on uh, Vampire 20th Anniversary, was not aware that it used up your action to heal by spending blood points. Oh, fucking right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was... yeah, no, let's 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 bring this up right now so people can hear this and go on the Reddits and say that that can't be true. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was true. He did not he did not realize that it was brought up during it was brought up. They could, should we change this? What do you mean change it? That's how it already works. No, it isn't. <laughs> for, for reference, Look at Vampire Revised on page X. What the fuck? So, I mean, it was this is uh, if you look at the Kindred of the East Companion, it. Uh, part of the like rules overhauls to uh, tell you like uh, it, how does how does spending chi to heal yourself work? It's like well, uh, you can just do it reflexively the same way vampires can spend blood points to heal themselves. And if you actually look at vampire either second edition or revised, you'll discover vampires can't reflexively heal themselves by spending blood points. So you know there are plenty of <laughs> authors who have worked with the system who did not uh, track all of the nitty gritty of of how the combat system worked because there was a lot of dumb fiddly shit in there. It, it honestly makes me feel so much better. Like very, very that. few people have ever played that system <laughs> purely completely rules as written. Um, but besides that, um, I do really enjoy uh, the changes that you've made to revised, uh, be it the the additions of uh, extra stuff that came in it with new exalt types and other and other things. And uh, just the clarification on charms or how that like sometime uh, how that some charms had been uh, reorganized from others. It just it really I felt like that the, the game 
shined even better than than the original version. I should hope so. The original, I mean, you you can you can go ahead and say you know mechanical problems because they had plenty. Uh, the original was written in seventeen days. From you know, I'm going to do this to okay, uh, draft complete. We go to layout, <laughs> and uh, there were so there was uh, I want to say zero playtesting done. Uh, playtesting subsequently uh, turned up a lot of things that could be better, and now I hope most of them are. Excellencies and uh, persistent defenses especially were you know, major issues that uh, just made the game very boring. In the, in the, first. They kind of uh, went from, wow, this is, this is like crazy, overpowered fun, to man, this is fucking boring. We just turn on our win button. Mm, yeah, and, uh, yeah. The first couple scenes of having the win button, the the shine wears off of it. Yeah, that's something that I think we've we've talked about before. Where it's like, yeah, sunlight could kill vampires instantly, no saves, but like that's fun once. Oh yeah, the the solar anima as sunlight. I, I was thinking about that in relation to all the Nazis that got murdered in the tail end of this season. Like by the thousands, <laughs> so it's like, to to, you know? yeah, it's something to look forward to, listeners. It's not spoilers for the sake of spoilers, even though don't talk to me about spoiler culture. I swear to God, not in my own pot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I was, we're doing it, and it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Exactly once, not because you don't want to do it more in the future, but because it's like, well, there, it's just, it's just happening as a as a background thing now at this point, right? Like it's just, it's going. We got to it. It's like sunlight against vampires, it felt like. Yeah. Like, I could yeah, see I, it happening. I could see what Holden was talking about there in the design notes, where it's like, don't let him do it. It doesn't last as long as you think it will. Yeah, I would honestly say that if that, uh, going forward, if that we had another, like, kind of uh, mass combat kind of situation like that, I would almost want to just treat, like, those mooks as just set dressing. Just do whatever you want with them. That makes sense. We'll get to that later, though, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm working on... Well, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Unless there's anything else we want to say, we'll move on to the game premise itself. I'll do a light pitch, and then people can pitch up the slack, if that's all right. Well, I was going to say that as as somebody who's actually never played World of Darkness, um, I've always been aware of it. This is a very fascinating thing because I've always been aware of it and I've always kind of liked the idea of the whole secret cultures and stuff like that. But the whole fact of that there's just such an oppressive darkness to the game that always I could never get over. And the fact that this game lets me now experience something that everybody else has been doing it from a fresh light that doesn't feel like I'm having to be have the setting break me and my character down to play in it is very interesting. Uh, so I now get to understand what everybody's talking about, but honestly, not a lot. There's a lot of names, <laughs> right? There's a lot of names. But yeah, that's uh, one advantage, again, of Exalted vs. World of Darkness in that respect, just from an Exalted player. I think that's that's ended up uh, sort of it's got a, a lot of weird little stealth virtues that it wasn't necess- intentionally necessarily designed for, but sort of emerged as knock-ons. Like the fact that these are 
any any Exalted versus Wad game is inherently a crossover game because the Exalted are just show just bombing their way into someone else's story. You know, um, so it's once you start down that road, it's very easy to do broader crossover. Like you know, it's not just confining yourself to Exalted versus Vampire, but uh, here are the mages, and here's some uh, let's we'll, we'll fight werewolves this week. But if you also had some uh, weird, obscure book on your shelf that you always liked from back in 1990-fucking-whatever, but, you know, so many of those were hard to work with or implement in the average store, you can just pull that out and, like, here's some more weird shit. And it's like, you know, shit is already so weird, it's not really a disruption now. So it's actually, in its own strange way, uh, kind of the big crossover book the world of darkness always wanted but never got yeah yeah i can totally totally agree with that the expanded universe (laughs) by way of a wrecking ball is the framework (laughs) (laughs) it's like exalted are very powerful and not but it's not as disruptive as you would think it's as disruptive as you want it to be yeah um the pre so this is the second actual time i've gotten to play this i've been in one other campaign i guess chronicle is our promise fuck it um (laughs) if you're wondering how much like the white wolf people care about using their special terminology not very much um so this is the second time i've actually gotten to play this and uh, the previous game was very much uh, in sort of the default mayhem mode, where it's just we crash into vampires and we kill a fuckload of vampires, and we run into like mages, and we beat the shit out of fuckload of mages, and we run into pentax and we wreck pentax, and just you know, a pure adversarial, leaning into the verses. Um, uh, it, it just just a just a, a game of violence and mayhem and disrupt disruption destruction. And that's sort of like, there are two sort of assumed modes you're going to fall into, and that's the first one. And the second is trying to um, play more of kind of a standard uh, World of Darkness-ish game, which is to say conspiracies and factions and politics and, you know, uh, recurring NPCs that don't just die the first time they get within shooting distance of the Dawncast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and that is what we've ended up doing here where it's like exalted in the world of darkness rather than just exalted burning down the entire world of darkness although we are still extremely powerful and able to throw our weight around a lot more than uh, oh. a newbie pack of werewolves or a coterie of uh, you know baby vampires would yeah. you oh get absolutely uh, oh sorry Oh, I was going to say, I think that uh, the, the best way to describe this game would be like, it, it is like, obviously it's Exalted versus World of Darkness, but the way that we played it, it felt more like Exalted Cross World of Darkness, if that makes sense. Yes. And I was just going to say that it's it's like getting a new player experience, except you don't have to suck and you don't have mm-hmm. to get out everybody else, mm-hmm. which is refreshing. Yes, we're a power faction on whatever map we drop into. And we've been throwing our weight around. That's probably in the next season going to start coming back on us, I suspect. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Which is exciting, though. Like, we're all excited for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love the other shoe. I love reaping. <laughs> I so, love, so yeah. much. Around, now we get to find out. <laughs> to find out is divine. <laughs> and we've also got kind of a kind of a weird fucked up group of heroes. Uh, there's like very large scare quotes around heroes. So, but I guess that's getting into the game, which was what we were about to do, and we dragged it back to. No, we, we all we did was bridge it and say. Okay, uh, that's getting into the campaign where yeah we, we were just we went back to the game. No, no, yeah. no. That, that's a that's a good segue. Um, I uh, would I would say this group of exalts are probably one of the most protagonizing I've encountered. You know, honestly, like, you do tend to play with groups that lean into like big, huge dick solars. Well, well no, no. See, I'm not even talking about the awful monster people I used to game with. Uh, I, I'm talking about like in the, our good groups. Like, no, I know that's that's who I was thinking of. They tend to play <laughs> horrible, horrible fucking uh, solars. <laughs> Yeah, in Prince of the Universe, uh, the, the Solars were pretty rough. Uh, and then there was Congenials, which Sam is from, actually. Uh, <laughs> that was an early game. That was our first spinoff game. Solars, no sense of right and wrong. Yeah. Right? And Congenials, it was called Congenials because you're supposed to be nicer people. And they, they were pretty good. They didn't seem like they were super comrade-y. No, we and didn't really have much connection to each other. Heaven for Everyone, everyone was getting settling in pretty well. But I think this group for like, because Heaven for Everyone's teenagers, but this group that were like adults, it's like adult exalts, you know, in a modern world and not teens in the 80s. Uh, yeah, they seem pretty solid. Like everyone's trying to help. Everyone is chipping in. Everyone is like worrying about problems other people's have and like are suggesting resolutions and like trying to like preemptively try and help. Like it seems like a solid mix. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. we have two infernals in the group. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's the best part. Uh, we have we have one character who is absolutely dedicated to making the world a better place, and like their toolkit for doing that is a toolkit for turning the world into a radioactivity powered toilet. Yeah, it's interesting how you've done that with like the infernal power set because like I I'm grabbing what are what's like I'm not going to get into my stuff real real deep just yet, but like. I'm grabbing stuff that's ostensibly the helper kit. Like, if you look at the solar kit, there's a few things in there, right? Like, you all can see it, listeners. Like, there's that one for repairing and fixing and upkeeping things. I've been even talking about third edition and second edition. Like, there's that whole tree devoted to keeping your friend's equipment fixed and your stuff running and, like, building things and doing stuff for other people and making sure the farmers have a well and an aqueduct and we just can't leave unless we give them float plane glass, right? You know, all those charms are there and all the medic stuff, like putting people back together, making them healthier than they've been before, punching them with your fists so hard that now they're 30 years younger, you know, (laughs) the solar medicine bullshit. Like, it's all there. And the infernals have stuff like that, but when you grab it, it just it just it it just, it ruins things. Like, like I think the infernal charm set in Exalted versus World of Darkness, which is an empowering game. Like being an infernal exalt is super empowering in this game. You you punch so high above your weight class, and you punch so much higher than some of the other soul than other some of the other exalts, like the solar in some instances. And it's a little ridiculous, actually. It's pretty fun, but. It's like the best interpretation of uh, Warhammer 40k's ruinous powers you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, like like Warhammer 40k and Games Workshop are a bunch of hacks and fucking frauds. Oh. But like playing an Infernal, it's 
difficult to make the right decisions because the other foot always falls on other people. And you you just have the option of dropping it, usually for no reason at all. It's tricky to be a good guy with solar powers or infernal powers. <laughs> yeah, they've, there's a lot of ways to send somebody to hell forever. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Well, depending on who you ask, um, some might take issue with that statement. But for sure. Depends who, run, who runs that hell. There are asterisks involved here, and it depends on who's going where. Look, if John loves drowning himself, wants to go to the hell of always being drowned, that seems like a bonus for him. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to question it. He's just got an eternal reward, and the demons there are just super fucking confused. <laughs> Mad. They asked me not to uh... do that again. So right. just make one, a furry house one way to take it to the hell of autoerotic asphyxiation. Thank you. David Carradine has just logged on to the conversation, <laughs> and he's off. <laughs> so this game takes that got place dark. <laughs> so this game takes place in London in the year 2021, probably around October to fall ish. Like I think Halloween just happens right around when the season ends, guys. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we agreed that COVID didn't happen. That's the one big thing. Because if COVID did happen, I would have been playing it up a lot more. Like, I would have been like, five feet, come on, guys. Like, yeah, let's hang out, but keep your fucking distance. I know I'm a demigod, but I'm not, you know. Uh, we're know. not, yeah, we, yeah, COVID, we didn't do well, that. I don't think we, I don't know that we explicitly did that, but uh, it, it hasn't really come up in the game. Sadly, the UK, uh, whether you, you, with, Playing it as though COVID hasn't happened or like COVID has happened produces pretty much the same UK, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. You are right there. Sort of like United yeah. sort of like playing in the US. Um, unless you unless the game goes to a hospital, you're not going to notice much of a difference. Um <laughs> womp, womp. Oh, I remember, I remember when the pandemic started the first couple of months, I was like, you know, it'd be really interesting to fucking run a vampire campaign uh, set during this fucking particular eye blink in history when just everything shut down, everybody's sheltering in place, everyone's staying in their homes. My God, it must be a bitch to get blood. And it was like three months later, it's like, Denny's is reopened. Okay. Well, You're like, I remember when the pandemic started. I remember when the pandemic was the biggest problem in the world. <laughs> remember when that was a distant, calm memory? Mm-hmm. As bad as it gets. So the pandemic started. Everyone was walking their dog all the time because that's the one way you could get out, suffer something. So it would be easy. It's like that, that YouTuber who keeps having herself show up from the past to tell her what the future's like a year later. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, boy. the brush fires that were burning down all the forests. That you would have thought that would have been a bigger deal this year. Yeah, yeah. Oh. There's they're still going, aren't they? <laughs> oh, like, oh, I'm happened? just remembering the fucking uh the fucking Ant Man uh meme, you know. Ant Man meme? From the from the pandemic, uh from around when the pandemic started, yeah. After he got blinked back in, you know. Oh. He's in the car oh. with uh what's his name, Louis or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those memes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Oh. Remember when Avengers Endgame was like the biggest Marvel ever was, and now and now it's not going so well for them? Mm. Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. 
Whoops. But yeah, anyway, uh, London, so, London 2021. Uh, so Brexit is happening. The COVID. We've we've chosen not to make it a game about COVID. Put it that way. Yeah. Else again, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, we would have needed to have man-sized vents for everyone. Oh wait, no, we still did that anyway, didn't we? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Good times. Um, all of us met up. I don't quite remember how. I think we all incidentally met each other and then just collected together in a clump. Like one person went mom, one person, and that person met another person, and it just kind of formed up. And I think that Sidereal was involved because there's Sidereal in play, right? A friendly Sidereal, who's an NPC, uh, put uh, put us together, and we don't really talk about her much because we don't remember her terribly well. Yeah, she's a Sidereal. A lot of the party remembers her. I've been making a point to make sure that it's a new intro every time. Every you know, time. I mean, they, she has, what do you call it? She has uh, the thing, Cypher, Arcane, something or other. Arcane, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. She, no she's got a lot of Arcane. <laughs> she's going to throw it out there. Um. Yeah, it's set in London. London's kind of a nightmare. Yes or no? I don't know. It's um, London. So it's London. The, so the basic premise for this was basically, hey, I'm going to set up like... A, a tower of cards of supernaturals that are all kind of like doing their own thing. And then we're going to have exalts happen and just see what happens. And that was my entire basic premise for this. Yeah. And it's gone over amazingly to see what happens whenever you guys <laughs> interact with one of those societies. Cause like there's been a couple instances where they, you guys go in and it's like, oh no, this is not cool. We're not going to let this happen. And then other times where you're like, oh yeah, no, these guys are cool. We're going to let this hang happen. Out with them. <laughs> like that time that you like literally set a dude up with, with another person by accident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got that pathetic mage hooked up. <laughs> if only he knew how little we thought of him. Oh no, I'm I need to listen to that episode. That's what I missed. <laughs> oh, yeah, same here. I, I, I still haven't. Well, yeah, I still haven't actually heard that. One. Is that the one we went back in time? Yeah, yes, that's one of those. Yeah, Peter and I took a vacation and went back in time. Yeah, yeah, we fucked around a lot. Like yeah, a that lot. was our prototype for you know other Plus for season two. Yeah, we we in in the in the biz, Pete, we call that foreshadowing. Foreshadowing later season plots. Like a real show. Like we're Babylon 5. <laughs> you, me, and... I don't remember the name of the guy who made it. Jay Stravinsky? Yeah, that guy. Jay Michael Stravinsky. I was like, Iris Stephen Bear? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, we're sort of just bouncing off of the supernaturals and what's going on in the uh, in London. Yeah, um, I had I, I, I was gonna say I honestly had a lot of fun making uh, the different societies and how they interacted with each other. The one thing that I think that I made sure not to do is to have them uh, basically ready to collapse. Like if you guys didn't do anything with them, so like I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have any like uh, Sabbat interference with uh, with the vampires, so like there there wasn't really a whole lot of internal turmoil with the vampires, unless of course you guys did something. 
Hmm, like they were stable from the get-go is what you're saying? Yep, they were stable from the get-go, but if you guys influence someone else to mess with them, or if you guys just influence them and start messing with stuff, then they'd start, like, internally kind of collapsing. The That's open a good way world to do and darkness approach has been um, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I've been liking the, the kind of fluid nature of it where we can kind of pick up and drop plots as we go along. We don't need to kind of pursue them to the very end like it's a goddamn speed run. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes we'll do vampire shit, but then sometimes, you know, we'll find out that someone's been fucking around with Sam and it's like, all right, we got to go kill those people. <laughs> I think that also worked out really well because we had a couple uh, a couple times when we couldn't get the whole crew together. So it was like, okay, yeah, that, that's fine. No, no worries. We'll just go off and do this other thing. It, it's, it's a pretty good simulation of what like an open world, like World of Darkness game would look like. The, the way you can kind of just pick and choose the factions you interact with. Because if they were to do a video game of World of Darkness, they would never do it the way Tabletop suggests it, where you're like neonates and you don't have a lot of pull to you. A video game is about the power fantasy. They would definitely start you off as having more pull, having a little more push. So you'd be able to pick and choose what factions you're dealing with and handle them kind of right off the get-go, right? So like this game is kind of like that, where, where you can just right away interact with vampire stuff or deal with Femori or interact with demon things or just you know, beeline into someone else's plot for a little while and just kind of, you know, make actual physical progress because your toolkit gives you a lot of permanent gains. Yeah, I, I think that the only, uh, I think the only session that I had, like, the whole thing planned from the get-go uh, was was the first session. Mm. The rest of it was, I had most of it written up, but, like, you know, you guys are exalted. There's only so much I can literally plan for you all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and we have jumped off the rails a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the game so far, what were some of the things you, like, we, we threw a curveball towards? Like, what were some things you just kind of didn't see coming? Um, I did not see the interaction with the mages as soon as you did. Uh, not to say specifically, uh, like, they're obviously, uh, they're, they're, two mages who are pretty obvious you would interact with, but I meant like, uh, I'm what I mean by that is like mage society as a whole. Mm -hmm. I did not see you guys interacting with them uh, as quick as you did. I thought you guys were going to hold off on that. So I kind of had to uh, really quickly be like, Oh, oh, I need a voice for these guys. I need to figure this out. Oh no, no, no. Um, The other thing was um, the, the finale that we have. For season one, I had no idea that was coming. If you had told me when we started this, uh, that was going to be how that we ended uh, season one, I would have like looked you in the eyes and been like, I, oh, what? How? Yeah, that, did, that did take a turn. <laughs> we went places. I mean, if you're going to go places, you may as well go 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 places as an exalted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, a year ago, I would have told you that there was no way in hell that I, that I was going to die without ever getting to basically engage with any of that shit from that particular mage book, despite that it's one of my favorites on my shelf. Oh, seriously? That's awesome. I mean, there's so, there's so much weird shit just kicking around the world of darkness and i am 
positive that many of those books have never actually made it. Uh, their content has never made it onto the table in anyone's campaign. Yeah, that weird nonsense is what we're all about. I love that kind of stuff. Especially where we went with all the... the... <sighs> I don't want to get too specific. It was fun. <laughs> so, should we uh, talk about characters then? Yeah, I think that oh, was a good time. All right. Who wants to go first? Sam does? Okay. Oh, I'm going first. Okay. All right, so what we're looking for is, like, who they are, maybe a brief description of their physical stuff, and kind of what their toolkit's like, maybe. And just other stuff you want to you want the listeners to know going on into Season 1. Okay. Uh, since this is my first World of Darkness, uh, I went fairly standard. I wanted just a young adult who has been thrust into this same way I was going to experience it. So Rowan is his name. Uh, he's a, you know, 20-something architect who has recently encountered the the nasty side of the world of darkness as you do and you know awakens as a lunar exalted of the no moon cast and is just trying to deal with being a normal person stuck in all this supernatural stuff he's probably what you'd consider the anchor character uh if you had a movie or the heart if you did the five-man band no, the anchor, that's a really good one. Because, yeah, it's its your perspective. You, you, all the characters have fresh perspectives, but yours is, like, the most... One of the more baseline people perspectives that they're going to be coming into. I've really liked that about Rowan, um, mm-hmm. is that you and I and Peter all sort of just dived right into, um, you know, the engaging the supernatural and chewing it up and spitting it out. And... Um, sort of just grab the game by the by the neck, you know? Uh, wherever the spotlight passes to Rowan, it feels more like the UK version of being human. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I, this is, which is, this which, is a guy. Uh, to be clear, is a good thing. I, I yeah. really enjoyed that show. Um, where it's, it's just this guy, and he's not uh, just a guy anymore, but he is, you know? It turns out that being able to turn into a giant man deer and gore <laughs> things to death does not actually stop you from worrying about things or being embarrassed in social situations where you don't know what the fuck is going on or you know mm-hmm. just trying to make your way through this this hellscape that we've fallen into and it's just it's really good it's really good i really like the vibe of that character yeah i i, I really enjoy playing him um from that aspect I there's definitely certain things that happen in the game that only happen because I've never interacted with the system before. I think I walk up to some people who are just like complete don't ever approach and it's just like, ah, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> Maybe like a couple of times. As the resident like setting expert, I've I really loved I really love those moments where I'm like out of character, I know exactly what the fucking uh, <laughs> Coral Snake's markings mean, but none of our characters do, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then I do nothing to stop it, because, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I love that. Um, one thing about Rowan, uh, first I should describe him physically. He's tall, lanky. I think I give him a stovepipe hat because he has antlers from the being a lunar. I always forget he has the fucking antlers. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. And Goddamn magician outfit. He's supposed to be a bit odd, like purposely dresses a bit odd just to look so people don't look at him. I think at one point I describe him as a step below Avery from Pokemon, which <laughs> is just a disaster. Yeah. But Avery, uh, sorry, wow. Rowan, I it really enjoy playing him. I, however, found that there is just, whenever you're playing a character, usually it takes a couple of sessions to get into them and to figure out what they're all about, especially with the, like the toolkit and stuff like that. Rowan is the first character who has actively rebelled against what I prescribed to him and just flopped to something else. He is a little bit all over the place with the mechanics. And, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny, though, I will say. He also ended up illustrating kind of the enormous gap between uh, characters who are built with an eye toward combat and characters who just aren't in the system. Yeah. Yeah. Though every now and again, you do, you know, turn into a giant man deer and well, like just destroy things. Oh, yeah. He's pretty much a glass cannon. Uh, by the baseline standards of the system, he's actually not... He's not weak. Um, he's like a boss battle. <laughs> like, you know, your average starting vampire would have a terrible time fighting this guy. Um, but The fights that went the worst for you would have literally killed any other character. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and those were the fights that went the worst for you, and you still lived. One of them, I think, only because of a botch, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, that's, that's classic rule of that's fair enough yeah you, you keep playing long enough everybody can say that um, <laughs> the session would have ended completely differently if not for that one botch yeah yeah it would have so I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for Rowan oh he's also our resident sorcerer if I'm not mistaken um yes it Sorcery appears a couple of times, but most of the time I end up smashing things with deer antlers. Yeah. <laughs> He's a sorcerer who takes a very direct approach to things. Doesn't really have any of the Blasto spells at the moment. Um, he's also kind of our resident spirit guy. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's come up a few times. We, we need Rome to get to places. Especially, you know, like the Loch Ness. Remember that? We needed Rowan for that. Also escaping all those other fights we started. And it's weird because this is a group that has got basically two of the uh, Twilight-ish thinky casts, which I haven't actually seen in this game before. And they've ended up specking very differently. And yeah. of course, Peter's playing the other one. Sounds like a good introduction for Peter to go. Uh, sure thing. So I play Sir Rigel Star. You know his solar thing is Celestial Sensor, and he's a solar twilight. Um, he's like a guy in the forties, good-looking, Caucasian. You know, got stubble beard, some dark brown hair, gray suit, brown overcoat, and stuff like that. And he's the bookish type. He's like a professor at Oxford that got turned into a twilight. Oh, and yeah, he's a son of two mages, uh, Aurora and what's the other person, uh, Polaris Star. So yeah, he pretty much 
up steeped in all that mage culture stuff, and he's um, you know so I've been uh, working with the mages uh, to make sure that you know people don't discover some mage that's going around, you know, in the British Museum and so on, you know, something to make some forgeries. And replace, you know, the real stuff that you'll find with stuff that's, you know, not real. Because, you know, sometimes you have to protect the hermetic text and so on and so on. I do keep forgetting that you run the British Museum. Like, you're, you're, the, you're the museum person in London. Like, that makes you super important for, like, every supernatural. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are interested in that stuff. Like, you would be a figure... Like, if there was a World of Darkness... TV show set in London and it wasn't about the exalts, you would be like the figurehead characters have to go to for research bullshit. You'd come up in multiple episodes. It's like, what's up with that guy? No one ever fucks with him. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, the first Twilight I've seen in a very long time that is not our spirit world expert and is not our, our sorcerer du jour. Yeah, yeah. No, Pete's like another like another fighter, like with the martial arts and whatnot. Oh, and the no, no. super specialization. Well, my specialization is in the craft charms. I focus yes. on craft manizo tools and eventually buy into Wonder Forging Genius. The only reason why I bought that Sidereal martial art is so that I can do something in combat because my cat is totally not uh, combat, you know, oriented. Yeah, but, but that uh, took you that took you from zero to like. 10 very quickly <laughs> yeah very quickly the, the jump was steep although Pro i do, think, guys. I do yeah. think you have that don't you have that charm that lets you just like use your act your like intelligence and academics for anything yeah yes i do have that but that means i'm spending like one or two oh one sn plus one willpower to replace my roles or something like that for yeah. each turn it just yeah. it makes it makes you shockingly competent for what your character does like as their main thing. That one investment really kind of kind of kind of spiked you. So yeah, I can fill in for a lot of roles, but I can't do it too much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, seriously, pro tip for anyone that you know doesn't do combat character and wants to do something about black shards for like ice. That's the first level, you know, martial arts for one of those trees, and it just lets you do eight, you know. Eight damage, lethal in an AOE, and you don't have to even you know aim or anything. You just click and you know release the fireball there. Yeah, it's strong. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this character is more of the smarty pants of the group, more fo focus on the book smarts, and it seems that also. Based on our roles, the investigator type, the perception person. Yeah. And our end to respectable society, which we badly need because, <laughs> dear God, the other two characters are not built for yeah. that. No. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. The guy that has resources and a dragon's nest and mentors. And also the an one enemy. We off of. Yes, I'm <laughs> Yeah. Someone's got to pay the bills, and if it's not going to be Raython, it's going to be Peter. Yeah. So yeah, I also built him with that animal control at max so that I can do all my magical bullshit and not spike in, you know, my animal flare everywhere. Because, like, originally I was 
had an idea of, hey, maybe this character can be the teaching guy, so it can, you know, teach people real good. But if I'm, you know, glowing like the sun in the middle of Oxford, eh, you know, someone would notice, so maybe, you know, have to have some stubble for that. Yeah, don't, don't want to get your tenure revoked. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. So have you brought up how you're a Prince of Mars yet? Well, you know, my parents are hermetic majors, and apparently hermetic majors have some kind of chantry in the orbit of Mars, so by Devon's standard, that makes me the Prince of Mars. So, like, like the wizards in World of Darkness have a ca- have a wizard castle on Mars, and Peter's, like, so rich, he's basically royalty. Like, you have wealth five, right? And, like, yeah. it's it's inherited money. You didn't go out and, like, just win a card game. You you got that money. It's yours, but it, it, w- it was given to you. So, like... Just saying, Martian royalty. Twilight well, cast solar. <laughs> Helps having so Mentor 5 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Archmages. Because your parents, what, what, what level of wizard are his parents? Uh, Archmages. What is that? Define that for the audience. Uh, so Archmage usually means that they're at least a Rite 6, uh, which means that... Uh, Reality doesn't like them being back on the real world, so they usually spend their most of their time on the Umbra. So I feel like that can be abstracted to be like royalty pretty quickly, you know. I mean, so powerful and strange. It's a vampire equivalent of a Sorry, it's a vampire equivalent of a Methuselah. So you know, a both prince. <laughs> I did not realize this. I was sitting on their couch just eating their fucking Cheetos. <laughs> For a weekend? Oh my god. Okay. Drinking some four loco. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I mean, I was calling the I was saying that he was a Martian. Layla has streetwise. She was not touching the fucking four loco. Okay. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I still vividly remember just it's not long after I got Twitter, uh, I ended up following John Chambers, the second edition exalted developer. And just one of the, he doesn't tweet very often, but this was one of his tweets. It was just like, uh, I, I got a hold of some four loco. And then just the next tweet, why didn't any of you warn me? <laughs> oh my God. Betrayed. Oh. Where are you on this, guys? So yeah, that, that's something that I feel like doesn't get brought up enough about Peter's character, but it's something you should keep in mind as you're watching the show and, you know, he's being... I feel like, I feel like you know, my, my parents have like a space castle on Mars or something. It's impossible to bring up enough. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they will have to visit. I mean, that's going to happen in season two, right? Because once we figure out that, like, the time travel thing works, we're going to need, like, wizard people to help, right? Fuck yes. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you guys are going to go get embroiled in some hermetic politics and go <laughs> go fight the wizard duels and uh, Joyce tap, I think. Excellent. Sounds fun. <laughs> I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> Me neither, but it sounds great. Oh, man. There's going to be so many words for me to mispronounce. Yeah. See, that's why it's good to have, you know, Brandon around this, because he actually played at least Werewolf and Mage, versus us when we were like, oh, yeah, it's going to Exalted versus World of Darkness, where I put all the stuff in. Has anyone read anything other than Vampire? Nope. Right. Yeah, I, I only got through Vampire and a little bit of Old Mage, and I was like, fuck this noise. And then I got Wraith for a bit, and... 
we did Wraith LARPs in this house that had like water damage and it was cold all the time. It looked like it was abandoned. The poor oh, fucker no. who was renting it had to pay like, it was like $900 or something in a town where you could get a rental for like 400 I don't know. It was a nightmare. He left like a year later. Oh, man. Back to Toronto because that house felt fucking haunted after we did Wraith LARPs in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll wake you But you know, that's our knowledge of you know old world of darkness, kind of as a whole. So coming on in with someone who knows a lot about it is is refreshing. With people who know a lot about it, because I don't know anything about the mage stuff. Yeah, mage was my jam back in high school. So uh, love me some mage. I played a lot of that. <laughs> Huh. So who'd like to go next? Us, I have not gotten to play since since high school. Now, um, so I guess that leaves our infernals. Um, Let's go with the more traditional one first. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> which of us is that? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, your concept is very out there, but I feel it's a little more <laughs> digestible. <laughs> like if you if you'll pardon pardon the phrase, what was it? Guitar witch? Yeah, so that was that was where it went, is I just I, I pulled up the character sheet and I just get to the concept line and I just write down guitar witch and I looked at it for about like twenty minutes. And I go, I can't actually pitch this to anybody, it's going to sound fucking stupid. So Spoilers, uh, every creative sort uh, worth their salt has like severe imposter syndrome. So uh, instead, I did what any sane person would do and just opened up another uh, text file and did up the characters, basically their premise and backstory as like a short story um, of the sort that you would find at the front of a World of Darkness book, you know, an opening fiction. And I just passed that around, like, that's my character. So, uh, briefly, like, Layla is, is a guitarist in a, sh- in a shitty, struggling uh, London uh, rock band. Uh, who, because I gave this character, you know, this is somebody who exalted, so I gave her uh, Performance 5. She's actually really fucking good at what she does. Uh, attracted the attention of a Toreador vampire, and that ended horrendously poorly for everyone except for the fucking vampire which eventually led her on her downward spiral that led to infernal exaltation as you do so uh, she has now got the stolen power of hell and a fairly severe grudge and is at the start of our story looking for the vampire who uh, wrecked her and her friends' lives to pay him back. And I believe we're going to uh, host that file uh, that file that I wrote, and it'll be... You should see it somewhere on your screen. There should be a link right now. And uh, that's a bit important because we don't get most of the material in there, like, on screen during the first season but we interact with it a fair bit. 
Like that's that's her motives in there. That is uh, a lot of the character's depth in there because she is not terribly horsey about this finding out there's an entire world of like monsters and shit in London thing. Like she refuses to address Rigel by his uh, by his solar name. She's like, no, I'm not calling you Celestial Fucking Sensor. You're Rigel. You have a real name. Goddamn it. You know. Uh, we have not actually gotten End of Sadness's name out of them, but like that's the End of Sadness is going by the wayside if we ever do. Uh, she's she's basically participating in the world of darkness under protest, but fairly enthusiastically when it does come up. Um, she has seen that the end of days is coming, and is taking that fairly seriously. Um, we ended up with two vicious, uh, uh, okay, I guess I'm supposed to describe the character. Layla's in her early twenties. Uh, she's just, she looks like someone out of the London, uh, punk scene. And she, we've ended up with sort of two very different takes on, uh, the infernal that is not like, uh, super horsey about being evil. She's yeah, just sort of like, sure. all right, I've got, I've got the power, I've got these hellish powers. I'm going to use them on people who have it coming, and there's a lot of fucking people out there who've got it coming. You know, our other infernal takes a very different tack. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Do you want me to uh, take from there? Uh, yeah, unless people have anything to add, jump in and add. Just a quick thing, like you really downplayed your short story. It's amazing. It's, it's Everybody super good. Go see yeah. it. It makes you care so much about everything, and not it, in a whole lot of. It's a really solid tone setter for a game. Like it definitely anchors the game in a certain narrative and a certain perspective, which is refreshing. It's the kind of character pitch you want for a game because it it lays down like it lays down that foundation and gives a lot of onboarding for other characters. Um, yeah, it's part of why I do that as well is that if I don't do something like that, I you tend to see. Um... So for me, uh, my my big my big takeaway from all these decades of role playing is the surest kiss of death for any game is if uh, like one player shows up with like three pages of notes and like drama and like this very kind of serious character. Uh, that they want to do dramatic stuff with, and another shows up with, like, Bingo the Malkavian Clown. <laughs> so, it, uh, that approach... Uh, so, that approach sort of, I, I think, um, let me make a, a, a declaration of intent of, like, what I'd like our tone to sort of default to. You know? is like, uh, monsters are real, monsters actually do real damage to real people's lives. I, I think that we've tried to stick with that. I think that sometimes I, I do tend to get a little bit more goofy with uh, some of the some of the other characters, with some of the NPCs, which is fine. Ages. Which is fine. Exalted versus World of Darkness is designed to sort of be able to uh, flex in its tone, and this campaign in particular has done a masterful job of um, swinging between kind of absurdity and like actual serious drama without undermining either of them 
and that's just down to us having a, a really good GM. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was actually going to add in for the 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 story that you wrote, um, like not reading that and then going in, in my opinion, not reading that and then going into uh, this game is like listening to like the Proto Men albums, but not actually reading the lyrics with like the descriptions and everything in it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you can get this rad music, but like you are missing out on like some of the background stuff. Uh, yeah, and we're probably going to engage with the stuff in there more in future. Like, it is going to be yeah. more relevant, not less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, season two, like, season one onboarded all of these concepts for all of the characters, like, in bits and pieces, and then season two is going to be a lot of the payoff. Yeah, but, I mean, it's even important. to this point, Layla has been very, even with the rest of the circle, been very private about uh, her vendettas and kind of what's driving her. She's just been picking around the edges of that, figuring out what's possible and uh, what it all means. But it is it is in future, in season two, almost certainly going to come to the fore a lot harder. She doesn't, mm-hmm. she does not like sharing her uh, her tragedies with anybody, even if they're people she's come to know and trust. No, for sure. And that's, that's definitely like more rewarding to kind of explore than just to have it sort of one after another come on out. Can I get the meaning? Yeah. And that's yeah. Just like, oh, let's, it's time for my info dump episode, you know? Yeah. A very special session of Exalt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh no, why did they name this episode In Memoriam? Oh no. <laughs> Then I think that there's just one other person to get through. I don't. I don't think there's a lot more to say because she sort of just like sits there, like glaring resentfully at, at the fact that she is now a main character until the story pushes her to action. Yeah, that's Layla for now. And the character is very much enhanced. Like, like it's a good, it's a solid character in the the, the sessions we did. But knowing the backstory and like reading the document, pretty solid. Good work. Mm-hmm. Just from. Uh background establishing perspective so uh so holden dropped that i didn't really uh kind of just stopped writing out my character's backstory and gave up <laughs> shit <laughs> not in like a bad way in a uh this is all right i don't need to do this anymore i can wing it Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me shifting blame or anything by the way that's just me going like you know what not gonna do that i'm gonna do something else so for End of Sadness, conceptually speaking, there's a few things that are the most important thing about the character. So they're an Infernal Exalt, which means all of their powers have kind of a twist to them. And the twist usually isn't something, something they have to pay. It's a good way to conceptualize the package. Uh, it's all based on Infernal Exalted and Hell from Exalted, you know, the, the thing. And a lot of the World of Darkness interpretations of it that came up in uh, Kindred of the East, I think. Right, Holden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, very shock and awe power set, and not gentle. Not gentle at all. So the big point about End of Sadness is, there's a charm at the end of the Exalted uh, Infernal Tree that, when you get it, unlocks your own personal hell. It's basically a pocket dimension, and you can build it to host a civilization. People who go in can spend their entire lives there. No big deal. The Infernal cannot. They have to spend at least half their life outside of it as they do inside of it. 
end of sadness is acting on the knowledge that eventually they'll have an ark that they can take their cult away with. And they don't know about that clause. So they're writing a lot of checks that they probably can't cash and haven't realized that yet. I wrote the character to be a bit of a, I don't want to say tragedy, but the other shoe is going to fall on them and it's going to hit them hard. It's kind of the setup here. You know, maybe I'll get away with it before that happens. It's not going to happen though. The other part is, is end of sadness knows the end of the world is happening in that they think it's already happened. Like the end of the world has occurred. We're in a post apocalypse because apocalypses happen slowly. So it's only a matter of time before everything falls apart and collapses. And we recorded this before 2022, so that's not our fault. So, you know, <laughs> um, and they're trying to get as many people as possible onto an ark and get them the fuck out of here. They're not here to save the world. They're not here to destroy the world. They don't want to conquer it. They don't want to rule it. They don't want to make things worse for people. But they're going to grab the people who need to leave and get them out. And that's where the cult comes into play. Because <laughs> their power set works really well if they have a cult. It's just instinct at this point. Like, if they gather people up and arrange them in this form and get them to worship and stuff, that creates fuel, it creates possibilities, it opens up stuff in how End of Sadness's powers work. They can grant wishes. There's a pretty bad downside. Like, if you disobey them, you go to hell. But they can grant you a wish <laughs> once per year. And I've said it's just been granting wishes to all of their cult members because they're never going to call in the downside. That'd be horrific and cruel, but they always could. They're not going to, but the rules technically say that they can. So, you know, that's there. Also, if people are like, you know, injured or like they, they, they've lost some parts of themselves they want restored, and Sadness can put people back together or put people together in a way the person wants to be put together by using machines and technology and scrap metal and stuff they fabricate. And after a while, a demon crawls in them and makes them a toxic pollution mutant. Uh, that That's like a Power Rangers villain that werewolves fight that like uh, Amazon creates. But in a sense, it just mass produces them by fit, by putting people, you know, together in different ways, you know, replacing limbs that are lost or changing people's configurations, you know, it just naturally turns them into mutants. And usually these mutants have a really short lifespan because their mutations like kill them like a cancer from the inside out. But if they worship End of Sadness, um, that's another power they have. The mute, the rot stops and actually they're fine. And actually it's not a burden to be in the state of being. It's actually a huge boost. That's so, a very nice way of describing uh, I've created an army of Fomori. Yeah. I mean, you know. Me. Yeah, right. my cult. Yeah, so that's what's happening. But End of really... Sadness is like extremely like eyeball two inches from the paper, you know, as far as perspective on that goes. But yes, from any outside perspective, they have been just turning the downtrodden of London into their underground like mutant foot clan of right of hell of nightmare uh, nightbreed hell people. Yeah, Nightbreed Hell people. I like those optics. I want Nightbreed. I, night, Nightbreed. I'm Nightbreed. I am Nightbreed. <laughs> um, and yeah, yes, we I, do can, I can give you a robot arm and we'll, and we'll cement it into place with a melted demon. 
not just a melted demon holden a melted manifestation of the worst impulses and sins of mankind in liquid fuel form this is literally the spiritual distilled spiritual essence of hatred and we're going to stick it in you forever but you get to see again and you get to see your daughter grow up and like we just want you to like adopt some dogs because like another thing an obsedence does is they'll like go to pounds and shelters at night and steal all the animals by force (laughs) and like the ones that were going to be put to sleep they'll like nurse back to health and the ones that can't be nursed back to health they'll fix with demon implants (laughs) you know to to get them back to health so like the good dogs go to the farm there's a farm like some people have given them a farm and there's a farm now and the, uh, the daughter walks now and there's a farm and that's where all the animals that are healthy go that can't get adopted out that the cult just takes care of and then there's uh, a kennel in the sewers next to the radioactive pile we'll get to that in a moment the kennel <laughs> in the sewers is where the half demon animals go because it's not just dogs it's like cats possums rats bats sparrows anything that died around them you know and and like you just, it's just a little bit of machinery like you just need some scrap metal and it fixes and i have crafting powers too so it's really easy to fix them up but then they get a little crazy so they have to go to the kennel to be trained properly. End of Sadness has animal handling five, charisma five, for this reason to handle animals good. Our third Twilight. And if only <laughs> animals could make wishes. Which yeah. uh, the Exalted versus World of Darkness infernals don't have casts. Um, they those sort of melted a long time ago in the furnace of their uh, hellish uh, debasement. But they can basically. Uh, mix and match different mechanics to sort of build something like a cast for themselves, and uh, End of Sadness very roughly aligns with us having a third Twilight-ish. You know? Kind of. <laughs> it's like a social Twilight with like a sniper rifle and heavy armor. An eclipsy kind of Twilight, yeah. I went in directions. See, I could have been a speedster, but I couldn't get to the sound barrier so because i couldn't get to the sound oh, yeah. barrier i had to be this yeah and whereas i'm end of sadness is our secondary like really wreck shit character i i'm the primary fighter but yes. uh, end of sadness is not far behind at all yeah. what was it originally when you were doing the math for him originally you were just like oh yeah i can t-pose at the speed of light or whatever <laughs> it, it was it was double the sound barrier almost and then we got real math in because i don't know how to do math and uh <laughs> I understood how to do math after that a little better. That's it. That's what happened. Oh, and then also you can uh, talk to cars and turn them into your friends. Okay, so we got to get back to the cult stuff. So so I've just described (laughs) the humans and the Fomori humans and the animals and the Fomori animals. And remember, there's a zoo in London and they have gorillas. And it's just any session now it's going to (laughs) happen. So instead of a lunar going there to snack on them, go in the Fernal... Every animal becomes get, I mean, instantly has like they might get strength five. Like they're, they're if I can't cyborg and... the gorillas at the group at the zoo, I will walk backwards into hell facing God. Yeah, motorcycle oh. uh, drives away. Me, I'm in a crater, instantly dead. Um, so yeah, then there's the machines, right? So end of sadness can is really good at talking to things and controlling things and making machines do things. So there's a trick where if you look at a machine that's about as smart as a computer, like, you know, it's, it has circuitry and stuff, you can give it a soul, like a fake soul that's fully cognizant and aware, 
and it'll obey you for a certain amount of time before its mind stops working. And because Event of Sadness was built specifically to take advantage of those dice pools, they very often get permanent on their rolls. And London has 13 CCTV cameras per person, you see. So you have to understand that, that a lot of things in London are alive and loyal to End of Sadness that don't technically have rights or a soul, like machines. This would be a good time to segue into And poor because... people. No, not yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm gonna get them out of here. I'm taking them away from here. All right. Anyone who wants to join can join. Like, you can all just join up, and and the arc is coming, and we're gonna get on out of here. It's gonna be great. We're gonna leave. This, by time. the way, by sheer dent of Devon, has basically become the main character of the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try not to. I I do try to fade away, but it's I you know, it's spilled. Can't. It was yeah. hard to contain. The, it was hard to contain some of these parts. They all kind of flowed together really naturally. I might have played a different character if I would have known how this would have gone this time around. To be fair, I, it's good. It's good. Yeah. End of sadness. Yeah, it's, I'm not complaining. I mean, for being like the weird, the fucking weirdest one in the group is actually like a surprisingly. Um, there's a lot of pathos there, and there's a lot of character there there's a lot of personality there and just the fact that they are so articulate with what they're doing and yet it's so just undisguisedly you know horrific uh it's, it's, it's really hellish, fun it's right? really fun mm -hmm. yeah but i will acknowledge that playing a character this uh, this character went kind of tall uh i'll acknowledge that this is kind of puts a burden on the group a bit you know and if if i would have known it would have been this much work ahead of time i probably would have been more upfront about it and would have been like, guys, I could just do something else. And I could play something a little more straightforward. That's all I want to say. Uh, it's it's fine by me because Layla, Layla likes... Uh, not like in character, but just the way the character's put together. She kind of likes laying in the cut most of the time. So Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on in London at this point. Because I took Cult like at like three or four. Because it spread really fast. Because it was a really good deal. Uh, because London's really shit at supporting people. So there's a lot of places in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't hard because being an infernal made it easy um, so there's this cult in London that's a doomsday cult but it's a really 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 nice doomsday cult <laughs> they do like food drives and like give people shelter and adopt animals and they all have so many dogs uh, and you got healthcare sort of there's healthcare, yeah. You know, if like you're really beat up about something that's happened to you and stuff, just like there's a sewer and there's that nuclear pile. So like under London in the catacombs, there's like a place that's like nuclear or hell aspected. It's kind of the same thing. And that's where Under Sadness lives with the crocodile. Because we gotta talk about the crocodile very briefly. In Exalted versus Roll of Darkness Revised, there is the option to have a familiar again. And you could make them your spirit animal, or not your spirit animal, but more like your like your your spiritual advisor creature, like your 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 sort of like you know Shira's got the horse kind of deal, the animal companion, but magical, or uh, that cat that He Man has. You can bootstrap them up into uh, pretty good, which a, a which I did. So end of sadness in their before life, uh, you know, had a crocodile for reasons because of the Appalachian Trail and laws and stuff and compounds and trying to make a nuclear reactor stuff but anyway uh they had a crocodile and then when they became end of sadness that crocodile got bootstrapped up into a spirit familiar so the crocodile can shapeshift into a person that passes as a person real easy i found out 
and is pretty smart and has a lot of intelligence uh, gaps or like, you know, filling for gaps End of Sadness has. Uh, I think technically they might be smarter than End of Sadness right now. Well, they don't well, get shot on the daily, so yeah, I would. I would so End of they're... Sadness is also an exploration of the superhero side of World of Darkness that everyone says is shameful and you shouldn't enjoy. But End of Sadness doesn't know what their limitations are because they have a voice in their head. That's their unwoven coagitator demon, the thing that bonded with them, telling them things. And it, you know, believes it, but it also would like to verify some of this shit. So like, yeah, shoot them with a the bullet, shoot them with a the bullet, right? doesn't always hurt sometimes it just just bounces off sometimes they're oh yeah we gotta get into physical descriptions now good point oh yes yes we should definitely establish what end of sadness looks like end of sadness is of average build and average height um i think they have chromatic black hair i think i described them as having and their teeth are made of chrome their nails are made of like mirrored metal material and their voice auto-tunes every once in a while. Their eyes have octagon uh, pupils. They have a cast mark on their forehead, which is like a, the symbol of Typhon in an octagon. And their skin is covered in first-age runes <laughs> that hum slightly and help deflect damage because their soak is fucking ridiculous for a character that's not powered up. Like most characters have like soak one or two or something, and and the sadness pulls in nine on the rag, seven I think at at a resting heartbeat, up to sixteen when they want to fuck around. So yeah, how do you get that? How do you hone that? Because like if you're an exalt, if you have power, the power, this demon brought them this power. It's like yeah, you just have to want it. You have to figure it out. You have to you have to pursue it. You have to let the power know what you want. So end of sadness and their crocodile that can shapeshift into a man and knows how to use a sniper rifle, you know, every morning in the cave, get up, have breakfast, work out a bit, shoot end of sadness, see if they soak the bullet that time, you know, see if they dodge it. Maybe they'll teleport out of the way. Maybe something will kick in and, you know, that bullet won't be a problem. And yeah, it, it was a problem for a long time, but now most of the time end of sadness gets shot. They just keep on going. Doesn't even hurt most of the time. Sometimes it bounces off completely. And, you know, when fights really break out, they can't be hurt, we recently found out. Like when a machine gun shot out of sadness for a bunch of times and it sounds just fine. Not hurt. It's just Walk fine. that one off. And, you know, it's the superhero origin. They're literally just trying to figure it out. No one else is there to teach them. No one else has a better idea uh, or any idea at all. You took a Sentai suit for your animal power. Yeah, we're getting to there. We're getting there. We have to get into forms. That's physical descriptions. Oh, yeah, we're here. So, anima power for an infernal cast. One of the things you can take is you have a bond with a demon that it will become your armor and your weapon. And that weapon does egg. So, clearly, End of Sadness took a machine gun. That's an arm cannon that like looks like a brass eel made out of pinball machine parts. You know, that's an assault rifle. As you that's do. aggravated damage. But duh. Uh, and their armor gives them, you know, a soak increase. So the armor looks like chrome, silver, mirrored, like a Zentai suit. That's like a Power Ranger suit with a helmet in the shape of their cast mark or their demon's mark, because their demon has a separate mark too. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about Despair 7 in a moment. And they have a Shinte form. That's how I pronounce it, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. Japanese. 
Okay. So that form is um, the fighter of null space from the first and second edition art if they had rotted apart. <laughs> and then there's a theoretical third form after that with how infernals work, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to get enough in XP in the lifespan of this game to do that because it's a fair chunk of XP. And I have all, other things all, I have to buy. All we have to do is just get to season three. So Maybe. But the stuff be expensive. Uh, yeah, Despair 7 is the demon that came to End of Sadness uh, at the bottom of a pool of fuel and offered them the chance of eternal life and power befitting who they were as a person and who they were always meant to be. A war criminal who makes weapons of mass destruction. And of sadness that the person that they were, being a coward, didn't drop the lighter that would ignite the fuel and kill the monster, and said, gave up and said, yeah, sure, anything, get me out of this shit. That's basically the, all the things you need to know about uh, their relationship. It's a monster in End of Sadness's head that says, hey, look, you're meant to ruin the world. Just do it. Do whatever you want now, but this is basically what you're intended to do. Here's all your options for doing it. You know, it'd be really rad if you did these things. They'd really help pursue your goals, your real goals, to rule this place. You're going to eventually. I'm not going to push it, though. You'll come around. Maybe that's a bluff, but maybe Despair 7 knows about the catch, about not being able to leave here forever. Who can say? That might come up. I'm not too sure if we'll get there. Uh, but it's the animating intelligence behind all the things End of Sadness hijacks with their charms. So when a machine gets taken over, it's basically a flash clone of that mind moving through, communicating with itself, making drop networks, talking through computer zombie networks, getting into phones, cameras. It's probably a problem for people. Probably some mages are going to get real pissed off about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've had a, a really good time, I think. The, the, like with the uh, the infernal charm set, it's a really robust charm set, and like all these things I'm doing are just naturally there. They're just right there. Like these, this is a normal use of these charms. I could be going harder in some areas, and I'm just not because I don't want to go that way or at that pace. And there's other weirder things in there that I haven't even gotten to, and I don't think I will get to. There's there's too many options. There's way too many different builds you can do with this. I've gone very wide with my selection of uh, weird options. Like the Fomori, that's its own tree. Yeah. I have to say that by sheer accident, like, uh, I was listening to Prison of the Universe, this, the first recorded episode, where the call was complaining about not having good perception roles, and you were saying, oh, maybe we should take a familiar that has good perception. And now, <laughs> years later... Oh my you god! Familiar. That has a good perception, so you can do those rolls. See, you got to remember, I don't remember those sessions. So you're talking about something like from like five or six years ago. Yeah. I can imagine that happening though. And then here we are now. I'm like, yeah, the familiar has perfect perception. I gave him like awareness perception max, and he's always by my side. And I took the spirit power that makes him immortal. That also allows yeah. him to teleport by me at a moment's notice. Yeah. So he'll always be there making spot checks for me. My dumb, blind, moron ass. <laughs> You're dumb. You are so blind. Like oh when Holy group has such are... complete dog shit perception. I don't want to know things. I already know too many things. <laughs> like when Holden said that 
end of sadness's eyes are two inches from the paper he wasn't lying <laughs> but yeah end of sadness they're not a mess they're just yes they are they're just trying really hard and they're not very good at it they probably i don't want to say they were like a bad person in their previous life but the choices they made were definitely the worst possible choices someone like that could make they also were put on trial for treason by the U.S. government for their crimes in the military. Not against people, like, selling secrets and stuff. You know, cool treason. So, you know, they have problems. And trouble with authority. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they ran afoul of something in the Appalachian Trail, basically, that did not like that there was a makeshift hillbilly-do-it-yourself nuclear reactor situation being put together somehow in the caves. Things went sideways very fast. It was just bad times. So it's largely the rest of the group's job to sort of... um act as checks and balances on end of sadness from being to end of sadness um, well, like, dynamic we've arrived at yeah like end of sadness isn't like a walking time bomb they're not trying to ruin everything they're just trying to do their thing as efficiently as possible without hurting people and getting people out of harm's way like doing as much good as possible for this place not trying to go farther than that because it's impossible to scale that way before they can leave and just take people with them. They believe that things are going to get worse and there aren't people that aren't, that are going to intercede. So it's best to get people on an arc and take them out. Yeah. We might get to the arc in season two. That is the hope. Yeah. I've been spending XP in such a way that I'm close. A lot closer than I thought I'd ever be with this charm set. It's a robust charm set. It is a fun charm set. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for, for my end. I think I talked a little bit too long, but I think that's all of it. <laughs> no, you're you? fine. No. Um, no, 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 no. And as far as your concern about End of Sadness being the, the, the main character, I would absolutely say that from episode to episode, I actually feel like that you guys kind of shift that baton around pretty uh, yeah. pretty admirably. Uh, you've, you've helped swing the spotlight that way. Um, yeah, you've done a very good job, I think, of making sure that everybody gets spotlight time. Mm-hmm, for sure. It's, yes. it's a good balance. Uh, to put it another way, uh, End of Sadness is the most strongly motivated or self-motivated character. Like, mm, yeah, the one self-motivated. That, that has an agenda, has has a definite plan. For I, I, My plan is, like, find a guy and ruin his life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, you but, know, it not really, from... but not really much past that. Uh, you end of sadness definitely has a big agenda. Yes. Uh, Rowan is, uh, and He's to a large extent, Layla are reactionary characters, and uh... it, it comes from a philosophy I have for building characters uh, that comes from an old, old lesson I learned for, about gaming, where you want characters to have a concrete plan. And no, you want a concrete goal and a plan to get the goal. Like you have to have those two parts and they have to be pretty well thought out. Mm-hmm. So coming with understand, it's like concrete goal, concrete, me- concrete vision of how to get there and what the methods will be. It, it helps kind of, you know, 
follow along a plan basically and get to where you're going. And when other characters are doing that too, it kind of helps move everything in lockstep because you can see how people will bounce off each other and what will motivate each other and make each turn go. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yeah, plan and a goal. That's that's kind of I think what drives the self motivation thing. It's just there's there's an internal logic and a sort of timeline to what's happening. So is there uh, anything else that we wanted to talk about in this little uh, intro episode? Yeah, anything about the system, maybe? Touch on that again. Uh, For anybody not familiar with, uh, and how could you not be familiar with this uh, revolutionary (laughs) best-selling game (laughs) that I made, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and which we might throw a link to it, underneath this podcast oh definitely yeah um anyway it's free so yeah uh, uh, many sales zero dollars um so uh the system itself is based on the 20th anniversary world of darkness rules uh with significant cleanup because that is an old jank ass fucking system and I've done what I can to make it run a little bit smoother and a little bit more streamlined and a little bit more appeal to modern sensibilities. Uh, well, still, you know, being the 20th anniversary uh, World of Darkness, you know, without breaking compatibility with Vampire and Werewolf and et cetera, et cetera. Rather than uh, trying to make the whole thing run on EX3, I thought it would be simpler to just add the exalts to the older... Uh, and well-fleshed chassis, you know, of the uh, the world of darkness, since they were going to be guests there anyway. Um, I don't know the, how how much more we want to say about it. Uh, if we want to actually go into thoughts on the the game and the system, or like sh- or like uh, save that for you know end of campaign roundup. What do you think? We could do that. We'll save it for then. We'll we'll probably have more thoughts, and it looks like you had some yeah. changes you're implementing, like coming down the pipe, maybe. So, oh, good. I've got a supplement coming down the pipe. Not so much changes. The revised is pretty much. I'm I'm pretty much happy with the revised edition. Perfect. But I've got I've got some more some more stuff uh, coming that I'm working on right now, including things like a formal uh, system for huge Donny Brooks and quote-unquote mass combat uh informed by thoughts uh on, on how our our uh, giant nazi brawl shook out yeah that definitely was it was good to see where the seams were on that one yeah mm-hmm. it's right. also something that frankly i don't think world of darkness has ever managed tremendously well like there there have been several stabs at like a quote-unquote mass combat system uh wraith the great war did one war in concordia did one uh dark ages, dark ages companion has one and they're all on working on very different paradigms i don't think any of them are fantastic so and certainly none of them uh reckon with or conceptually reckon with characters who have the sheer personal power of an exalt so you know it's about you know they usually tend to be more about like well there's this huge like siege going on so it's a system to have your vampire show up in a couple of places and 
you know, role play out a couple of quick skirmishes and shift the course of the battle, you know, which is fine for a vampire. You know, you're, you're likely to show up and be the match of any three castle guards, uh, as opposed to, you know, your exalts will literally punch the castle gates off their hinges and then just wade into it, wade into, you know, 200 men at arms with swords and actually have a prayer of coming out of that alive. So I'm so I'm I'm kind of working on on something like that uh, like that primarily for for use if you're playing the Dark Ages variant of the game, but it should also be usable for uh, the the inevitable uh, oh shit we stayed in the building doing our shit too long and now there's like the National Guard have surrounded us. <laughs> yeah, give me that battalion of tanks. Oh God! Eight hundred T eight hundreds. Ah, yeah, sweet. I can't wait for Exalted versus World of Darkness Cross Terminator. <laughs> Exalted versus Skynet. Yeah, I, I am glad that we did get to uh, at least push the push the seams of that a little bit more, especially since this started off as basically like a playtest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, we 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 were doing character creation before the revised core book was out, and I was passing them like drafts of uh, of the book as it was in layout. And I kept dicking with it in layout almost at the last minute. I think that we had most of this season recorded before you actually released the book. How oh, we may well have. Like I know that the Infernal Charm set got expanded in large part because of. Uh, it, because it, like there are several charms in there that are basically there because uh, to support kind of the character concept end of sadness was chasing and I know uh, the hell of boiling oil got more charms because I was trying to use it and I found that it just didn't have enough robust support in there to be as fun as I wanted it to be so like that got expanded basically uh, in response to Layla needing more shit because Layla made me take a really close look at it put it that way Mm -hmm. I'm not actually using most of the charms I added at that point, but um, it was finding deficiencies too. Like I think Peter, um, deficiencies. When he was, yes. when he was when he was looking at it, he actually broke down what charms were like or inherited some appearance of other charms, and did like a grid layout and showed where like some splats and some ones were missing, like three or four of them, or there were massive gaps or overcompensations and stuff. That's what was for Exalted X Chronicles of Darkness. Yeah. Oh shoot. Similar. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a derail. But it's something Peter's very good at. He's good at finding those things and pointing them out. He is, he is, he is. Uh, all I'll say at this point is I'm, uh, I'm much more satisfied with how and where the game has shaken out uh, at this point compared to uh, where I was when the last campaign I was in uh, wrapped around this many sessions in uh, I, I think it's held together a lot better nice not if, if he's listening not to impugn the GM of that game or any of the players I'm talking the system I, I feel like the system has not failed us here the way it did back then yeah uh, yeah because that, that that old version is just like hey did you take the excellency that you need for this thing you want to do push the button <laughs> and now we have seen length invincibility and uh we, we get to win every role mm. or or 
or you know the old world of darkness problem of the game doesn't know what the uh the difference between a turn and a round is and oh god and now it's just up to player interpretation oh no the scenario went seven times in a row <laughs> oh boy Lordy. all right then uh so are we good to wrap then I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a very good game, and you guys are listening to the intro, so the rest is coming up after this then. So, uh, I was Devin. Brendan. Peter. Holden. Sam. And this is sponsored by Nobody. Signing off. This game is a collaboration between A Pair of Dice Lost and sponsored by Nobody Podcasts. You can find us at aparofdicelost.podbean.com and sponsoredbynobody.podbean.com. You can find Exalted vs. World of Darkness over at holdenshearer.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm.